Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Good morning. Would you turn with me to Matthew, not to Galatians. We'll be back there, Lord willing, next Sunday. But Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. Sometimes the Lord just uh, says, this is what I want. And so you got to go with it, even if it's outside of your series. This Canaanite woman asked Jesus to help her daughter in the right way. She somehow phrased this whole prayer and she offered her prayer in the right spirit with the right heart. There's so much we can learn from her. Even though she was a Gentile and not a Jew, even though she was living in the region of Tyre and Sidon, not Israel, Jesus noticed her approach. And we'll see in a moment, he actually answered her prayer. So let's listen to Matthew's inspired account of how this mother loved her daughter so much that she went to Jesus on behalf of her daughter's struggles. Would you stand in honor of God's word? Let's read this. You can follow along in your copy. I think we'll have it on the screen there for you. But Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28, this is what it says. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Lord, your disciples gathered around you one day and they asked you to teach them, to teach them how to pray. And so Father, we wanna come as your people this day, February 13th, 2022. And we wanna say, we need to learn more about how to pray for those that we care about. And so Lord, would you let your word, it's living, it's active, let it come alive today in each of our hearts and our minds. Maybe help us to notice something we've never seen in this passage before. But especially I pray you would strengthen our walk with you, strengthen our communication to you. I pray for those who don't know you, that they might like this woman come to you even this day and say, I need salvation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Thank you. You may be seated. In Luke 11, 1, it says that Jesus' disciples ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. Would you say you already know everything about prayer? Or would you say, no, there's still some things I need to learn. I need to grow in that area of my Christian walk. And so what I want to try to give you from this lady's example, something she did drew the Lord's attention. What kind of ways can we ask God for what we're looking for in such a way that it will draw God's attention to our prayers? So I want you to listen as I share some of these things that I noticed in this great passage. First, the Lord heard her prayer because she came to him with her tears. She came to him with her pain. She came to him with her burden. And it says simply that she came out and was crying. That's all it says. She came out and was crying. In the New Testament, there are two Greek words that are used for cry. One is kradzo, the other one is boao. Kradzo is the word that was used when Peter. Peter was in the boat with the other disciples and he was amazed Jesus could walk on the water. And so Jesus said, come to me. And so Peter gets out of the boat. He starts walking on the water. But then the wind and the waves, they began to kick up. So he took his focus off of Jesus. He looked at the waves, he looked at the wind, and he began to sink. And so all he could say was, it says he cried out. And he said, Lord, save me. And the Lord reached down and he saved him just in time. That's one use, that's kradzo. Boao is a blind man. They, he heard that Jesus was passing by. He was crying out and they were telling him, shh, be quiet. We don't get excited at church. No, that's not where they were. But anyway, he said, quiet, he's a blind man. He wanted, to, he wanted Jesus to heal his blindness. And so you know what it says he did? He cried out all the more. And so that word is boao. So the difference between the two words, kradzo and boao is, one is a loud, deafening cry, like the blind man. You tell me, be quiet, I'm gonna even say it louder. But then Peter, his was not a deafening cry. His was a desperate cry. I'm telling you, this woman in this passage, she couldn't fix what was going on in her daughter's life. And so she's like, Lord, please, I'm crying out to you. I'm bringing my pain to you. Is there anything like that in your life? David learned a long time ago that when the righteous cry, when they cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. You know, I don't know if you continue to learn things, like I was saying, let's learn together today about prayer, but I learned something a few nights ago when I was talking across the table to some people. And that is that, did you know that tears actually have different patterns, different shapes? There's medical research that has been discovered that say that tears are not all alike. Joseph Stromberg of the Smithsonian College of Arts and Sciences, Sciences discovered that there's a variety of patterns to our tears. If you were to put them under the microscope, what you would discover is that tears of grief, they have one pattern, 
Whereas tears of change, they have another pattern. Tears when laughing, tears when you feel overwhelmed or angry, tears from even slicing onions, all of these kind of things, they have their own distinct pattern. Why would God do that? Why would God design our tears like that? You know, I think it tells me he knows. He knows why you cry. He knows why I cry. You know, God cares about our pain so much that with the tears, do you know, have you ever studied this? There's something called encephalin, encephalin. We don't use words like that in Tennessee, but I tried all week to get it down. Encephalin, okay? But what it does is it eases the pain. Did you know that it's like this protein hormone that's natural that God put there so that when you cry, God kind of says it's going to be all right. Eases the pain. Another word of truth in case you feel that God doesn't care that you cry. Oh, yes, he does. Psalm 56, 8 says he actually puts our tears in a bottle and he writes them in a book. Psalm 56, 8 says, you've kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Oh yeah, that's our God. This Valentine's Day, celebrate his love for you, that even when you're in pain like this woman, God says, I see your pain. I know you're hurting. Come talk to me about it. Let's move to a second thing that the woman did. The Canaanite woman also modeled a second approach to the Lord that I feel like it's irresistible to God. Whenever we come with a contrite spirit, whenever we come broken over our sin, whenever we come repentant, what was the first thing she said? Help my daughter? No, that wasn't the first thing she said. Let's look at it. What was the first thing she said? Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Isn't that amazing? Her daughter was demon possessed. So I'm sure that her daughter had done a lot of, let's say mean things, a lot of evil things perhaps. So it would have made sense if she had said, have mercy on my daughter, but not this lady, not this mom. She comes into his presence and says, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, oh Lord. You see what she's doing? You see how she's approaching God? You know, honest, humble pleas for mercy, I believe it's striking to Jesus. It's so striking, it stands out to him so much that he gave a parable of two men who went into a temple to pray. And one man says to God, here's all the stuff I'm doing, all the religious stuff, and I'm so glad I'm not like that sinner guy right over there. But the other guy, the sinful guy, says, he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that's really all that Jesus said, that that man said. And Jesus said, which one of those do you think went home justified that day? And he said, I tell you, the second man, not the first man. There's something that draws God's attention when somebody's honest about their sin. After his adultery, David turned to God in contrition. And he said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. I wonder if there's ever anybody that comes to hear the message, comes, sings the songs about mercy, 
My burden was lifted at the cross and all these kind of things. And yet for some reason in your mind, you're thinking, I don't think God wants me to come up there to trust Christ. I don't think he wants me to stand in front of other people and say, I need mercy. If you only knew our God, you would know he'd say, yeah, no, I want you to come. You see, there's something that he notices whenever we're contrite of heart, whenever we're repentant, honest, and humble. Even though God himself is holy and dwells in a high place, far above this old sinful world, yet I want you to listen to what he reveals to us about his response to contrite hearts. We don't have to guess. It's written for us in Isaiah 57, verse 15. Confession of sin brings revival from God's presence among the lowly. Here's what it says. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. But listen to where he also dwells and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. You see, that's what we're singing earlier. It was at the cross, at the cross, where the burden of my heart rolled away. And that's what it's talking about. A third lesson we can learn about prayer pertains to praying with compassion for others. The compassion that God has given you. So I'm gonna call it the compassion of the Lord. It's like he had compassion on us. So how should we respond to other people now? You see, praying for your own needs, me praying for my own needs, that's normal. There's nothing wrong with that. But all I'm saying is, God notices when we truly care about somebody else enough that rather than just praying about our own needs only, we're gonna add. And so we're gonna, in our family devotion, our personal time of prayer, we're gonna pray for others in the church. We're gonna pray for others in the community. We're gonna lift them up because we have compassion that God has placed there. I just love how Josh is always telling us when he gets up to preach, don't forget the context. I think that's excellent. I pray he'll never change on that. But what is the context of Matthew 15? If you were to read verses one through nine, you would see that there were Pharisees who were being phony. They were always talking about the word, okay? They were always talking about the word, but even when it came to their own parents, they were saying, well, I don't have to care about them because I'm gonna go ahead and take care of all these things related to God and his work. Really? Then Jesus gives a parable and he, he just totally loses the disciples. They're like, we didn't catch it. What did you mean by that parable? when you were talking about how it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles the person. So what he's saying is it's all about the heart. It's all about what's on the inside. And so I thought it was really amazing that this mother comes to him praying for others, praying for her daughter, and it's not just mechanical. Can you imagine if her daughter really was severely oppressed or possessed by a demon. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be? Nothing you can do is ever gonna fix it. It's a spiritual problem. So there's frustration maybe in her life. There's probably discouragement in her life, okay? 
but she's not coming to him in discouragement. Or maybe she could just say, you know what? I can't fix it, so I'm done with it. I'm shutting the door on my daughter's problems. I can't fix it. But she doesn't come that way, does she? She comes with such compassion. She genuinely cared. She loved her daughter. Let's go to a fourth reason why God noticed the prayer of this lady because of her persistence. She continues before the Lord. Has the Lord ever convicted you in your prayer life? He's convicted me before. One of the things he convicted me one time was trying to act like prayer is a spiritual drive-through. I'll have two blessings to go, please. Thank you. That's it. I'm gone, you know. No, wait a minute. What's wrong? It's like I'm sitting in a recliner. I'm sitting in the recliner of prayer and I'm wanting to just press the button and God move, you know. And so I expect it to be instant. I want it to be now. But I want you to notice what it says about this lady when she came so sincerely with compassion. It says he did not answer her a word. Has God ever been silent? You just give it up if he, you just throw in the white towel. You say, well, I I didn't think prayer worked anyway. So I'm done with this. She didn't give up. He did not answer a word. So despite our Lord's silence, notice her persistence. But not only that, he's silent, but the disciples aren't silent. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, look, this lady's getting on her nerves over here. She keeps on crying out after us. Would you just tell her, send her away. Tell her to be gone. Wow. So despite the disciples' resistance, she doesn't stop. She's persistent. Despite Israel's prominence, because whenever Jesus starts telling her some things here, he's saying, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. See, you're a Gentile. They're up there in Southern Lebanon. And so this is not, this is not on the radar right now. Jesus is gonna put the emphasis of his ministry on the Jews. And so despite Israel's prominence, she continued with persistence. You see, Thomas Edison was a great inventor. And he said that the most certain way to succeed is to try just one more time. Try just one. What if you gave up praying for somebody and if you'd have just asked one more time, it would have happened. I think he overstated it a bit. Calvin Coolidge said he was on the right track. I know what he meant to say, but he's saying nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not, genius will not, education will not. Persistence and determination are omnipotent. Okay, so he overstated when he said omnipotent. But I do believe that everybody in any discipline, whether it's sports, whether it's business, if it's construction, you know, You're gonna have to hang in there. Jesus gave two parables related to the necessity of perseverance. The parable of the persistent friend in Luke 11 verses five through 10, but then also the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18 verses one through eight. Jesus gave that parable and here's what he said before he gave it, that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. You know, my my prayer is that you won't lose heart in praying for those who don't know Christ. 
You know what I thought was really interesting is all of this is going on and listen to what the lady says in verse 25. See in verse 25, but she came and knelt before him and she said, Lord, help me. You know, some of the most powerful prayers, they don't have to be long. They just have to be heartfelt. She said, Lord, help me. I know they want me to be quiet. I know you're emphasizing Israel right now in your ministry. And I know that you're silent, but I'm just saying, Lord, help me. That's powerful. The fifth quality of this woman's praying is her constraint toward the Lord, constraint. Constraint is a synonym for humility or modesty. It refers to the repression of natural impulses and feelings because there's something higher than those feelings, something more noble than those responses. I don't know if you noticed in this lady's prayer, but let me point it out because I spent a lot of time with this this week. What about the title she gave him? She called him Lord. How many times did she call him Lord? It's a very brief encounter, right? She called him Lord three times, three times. Are you willing to surrender to whatever God's will is? Or are you gonna sit there and try to argue with him? How does that work for you? Whenever you try to make God's will be something different than what it is. This lady didn't do that. She didn't disagree. She submits, she yields to what she knows is on his mind and on his heart. Very different than Peter in Matthew 16, 23. Jesus said, you know what guys, I'm fixing to go to the cross. They're gonna, I'm gonna suffer a lot, I'm gonna die, but after three days I'm gonna be raised. And you know what Peter does? He takes Jesus off to the side and he said, not so. We won't let that happen to you. And you know what Jesus did to Peter? He looks him straight in the eye. How would you like this? He says, get behind me, Satan. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Hey, this is Pete, man. I'm, I'm one of your followers. Get behind me, Satan, for you're not putting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. You see, we can't always understand God's ways and what he's, what he's trying to do, what he's trying to teach us. This woman exercised reverent constraint, reverent yielding. I'm not going to demand that it be like I want it to be. And so her acceptance of his priority of Israel is found in verse 27, but also her expression of humility as a Gentile. Humility as a Gentile. There was no sense of entitlement to this lady. No, it's, it's very different than that. It's like she's humble and she knows that what he's saying is the way it is. So listen, when you cannot understand God's ways, then what I want to encourage you to do is to trust his character. He's good. We said it over and over again today in the song. He's good. He's holy. He's faithful. He's right. He's wise. No matter what he does in your life, no matter what he's saying in your life. Can you imagine when, you know, we read the word dog, actually the word there is puppy. It's puppy. So he said, look, it's not right to throw the children's bread to the puppies. She said, yeah, but even the puppies, they eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. I understand that your focus is on Israel right now. But she said, you know what? There's something else driving me to come to you. 
leads us to the sixth thing. This is where we end. Perhaps the most obvious strength of this woman's prayer life was her confidence in the Lord. See, up until he met her, Jesus had only marveled at the faith of one other person, that Roman centurion. The centurion's faith rested upon Christ's, well, authority. That's what he said. But what does her faith rest in? His authority or is it his ability? She knows she can't fix what's going on in her daughter's life, but she's heard, you can. I've heard it over and over again, word spread, even up here as far north as we are. And I know that if you want to do it, you can do it. Or was it his affection? Maybe she's thinking, you can't throw me off because you wouldn't have come north like this if you hadn't have come for me. And you know what? As soon as he met with her, that's it. That's all he went up there for. So don't think that he was being rude to this lady, that he was writing her off. He's trying to bring it out of her. Come, you come, come tell me. And so her faith was so determined, so convinced. And so did you notice the recognition of her faith? Jesus noticed. It drew his attention. Whenever he says to, oh woman, great is your faith. Can't you see it? It's like she got his attention. But notice also the significance of what he says next. Be it done for you as you desire. There's something about if you really believe that God can make a difference in this community. If you really believe that God can, by his great power and authority, help our country, help your family, help your marriage, help your children, help your grandchildren, help the people at work. If you really believe that, you know what you're going to do? You're going to pray about it. And that's what she did. So there's a, there's a tie between a person who really believes and a person who makes requests, a person who prays and says, I believe it. And that's why I'm going to ask God for this. And so he says, be it done for you as you desire. And so it's no wonder that her faith was rewarded. Her daughter was healed, it says in the text, instantly, immediately. You know, Hebrews 11:6 says, we have to believe that God will honor those who seek him, those who beseech, those who are seeking after him, he will reward them. I like what 1 John 5, 5, 5:15 says, it says, if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. If we know that he hears us, You'll get his attention if you'll pray like this Canaanite mother prayed. Especially if you were to say today, you know what, Lord? I'm just a sinner. That's what I did back in 1979. I was a college student and I just said to God, I don't deserve anything from you, but I know you died on a cross for me. You died in my place. And so I said, Lord, would you just forgive me? Lord, would you just help me? Lord, would you just save me? I didn't even know things to say, but somehow in that little prayer time before Sunday school in Memphis, Tennessee, I just surrendered my heart. It's not hard. It's not hard. 
He did all the heavy lifting, you know. All we've got to do is just come and say, please, Lord, would you save me? Would you just please save me? That's what that woman did. And it drew his attention. Let's, per, let's stand together. Lord, I thank you so much for the scripture. I, I didn't know why you wanted me to uh, give that message today, but I feel like that's what you wanted. And so I tried to do it the best I could. But Father, it needs the work of your Holy Spirit because without your Spirit's uh, work, it's nothing. But I thank you that the Word of God, it's powerful. So Lord, don't let your Word go back to your void today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw those that need to be drawn. I know that, uh, Lord, that Canaanite mother, she needed to surrender to you and she came. And she wouldn't let anything stop her from asking for mercy, asking for help for her family. There could be someone here today in a similar type situation. So just draw them by your spirit and be exalted in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.